So we've got a, an interesting and diverse podcast on this, and which is why I love um, the podcast, is you don't know what the hell is going to come out of the stories. So this is Antoinette. Uh, she's a lovely lady, uh, helps people. Um, she's a hypnotist as well as got some experience in neurolinguistic programming, so helping people people discover their potential. Uh, key area she helps with is you know around anger issues as well as uh, couples that need to reconnect. But the part that made it interesting is there's such a diverse story about how when she's a 17-year-old girl, she'd snuck out and she started trying to learn how to fly and she got qualified and it was a big news because a young lady uh, during that time in South Africa was quite a rarity uh, to see that as well as going into the scuba diving and then some... Uh, then she hugged her orangutan and then, you know, she worked with dolphins. And it's just such a interesting and diverse story with lots of swings and roundabouts and it kicks off with us halfway through a conversation asking about my past and what led me to thinking a certain way so that's enough rambling if you haven't subscribed for the newsletter team what are you doing it's free it's everything together i've got two podcasts and i'm going to tell you what the other one is and so you can subscribe uh, and also there's a book. It's all in the link. Um, if you want a bit of more information, reach out. If you want some help with your financial future, then let's have a chat. Come by our session. But that's enough about me. Let's kick into it. <laughs> I think, so, you know, the more you unravel, the more you learn. But I think, you know, there was a key point, point in my development where, like, mum left. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she came back. But okay. <laughs> my um, my dad had a gambling problem. And he started spending mum's life savings and then she said it was enough was enough and she got quite upset um, of the woman she changed, like she became because she was checking his pockets and stuff like that. So it was too much, so she left. She went to America when I was four for like six months and then she came back, found out I was really angry at preschool and I was fighting and stuff. So she took me and took me to America with my sister so then I was away from my dad for like 18 months and I saw him once. So I guess in those key development points, mm. I, I didn't really understand why, you know, I wasn't enough or why mum left is what I would think. Um, You're absolutely right because um, – <clears throat> how can I say this? The subconscious mind remembers absolutely everything that we see, hear, experience, they now believe from the moment of conception, not even when you're a fetus or a baby. Mm. So those forming years when you're really little, like you've just explained, will have an enormous impact. And the subconscious mind's duty is to keep us safe. So you will get triggered by something, maybe the way someone looks at you, music, smell, taste, and you will have an experience where you might feel anger again or sadness, hmm. and you won't know where it came from. You just said something about it since conception. <laughs> so you talk about sperm cells and eggs hold some level of subconscious. Can you elaborate on that? Because I've never heard that. Okay, because the reasoning behind it uh. is that the subconscious mind controls all our bodily functions. We don't think about what happens to the coffee or once you learn to walk, you walk, you mm. know. Um, and it, like I've said before, it needs to protect you at all times. Okay. So I suppose it's in the sense of like the subconscious mind at that stage is like um, unconscious processes that are happening, you know, like the, the egg will produce a certain type of chemical, yep. they'll attract a certain type of sperm. I just, yeah, it, I never thought of it as a subconscious. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Oh, it's not me. It's research. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say it. Okay, all right. So it's really interesting. And I work, um, especially with one-on-one -on -one clients, a lot. That's, look at me, I'm still nervous. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, it's a good example. Um, People get nervous all the time. That's well. and, and I have nothing against counseling. I think counselors do an amazing job but they work on a conscious level. And then these people come into me and they feel there's not been any change. And, so, and suddenly during hypnosis, I do maybe do regression hmm. where I take them back in time on a subconscious level and that's where the healing starts. Hmm. 
So, like, my understanding, so the counseling component, like psychoanalysis, um, they try to go this subconsciously. But are you saying, because, you know, I had this theory um, where the subconscious mind, you know, is connected to visual components, you know, it, it's not necessarily like a, a, a dialogue part because that's the prefrontal cortex. Okay. So I'm wondering if because you're going on a visual journey with clients, um, with hypnosis, that's why you think you provide more of a, subconscious focus than what they might like what what makes you think you're more subconscious focused than what like a counselor could go to you know? um just from what i've learned and what okay. my clients tell me you know um i have a i work a lot with anger management specifically huh. gosh really <laughs> wow okay I've had, I've had people in my in my little room that i was pretty scared of at times yeah but the um the results are amazing interesting it really is amazing because also I give physical exercises. Just to get back to what you've said before, with neuro-linguistic programming, they've, again, research shows that we process the world around us through our five senses, sight, hearing, emotion, taste and smell. So you will get triggered by any of those. It's not just the memory. Mm. And most of my clients, when I ask when, what happened that you can remember that made you angry the first time, they would say to me, um, can't remember. Mm. And then during hypnosis, I'll obviously um, ask this subconscious mind. I don't ask my clients to speak to me during hypnosis. Um, and then the memories will come. And mm. often people... Even though they deep in hypnosis will start crying, sobbing, hmm. and or some of them will say, "No, nothing came," and then a few days later, now I remember. Hmm. Well, I mean, it makes sense in the simplest, most simplistic form. I think a lot of the healing that um, people will receive is from a form of co-regulation, like a new parenting. You know, so like when they were younger, whether it was bullies at school, whether it was friends, family, they they had an unfortunate event, whether it was big or small, and then they interpreted it in a certain way. And now as an adult, how they can get around that is to co-regulate that emotion, is to express that emotion in some way, have a different outcome, retrain the brain, and build new um, neuro pathways. Absolutely. Okay. You've got it. But still, although we do it on a conscious level, the healing needs to take place on a subconscious. Have you level. ever done like events where you're like making people bark like a dog and stuff? Yes. Have you? <laughs> go on, tell us, surely. <laughs> yeah, I have. What? Yeah, go on. <laughs> and it's such a pity because um, <laughs> the, I had a friend uh, video it. I used, I used to go to the retirement villages. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. But I will explain to them, you know, I, I, I was never nasty. Yeah. Not not really nasty. Yeah, subjective. But I would, yeah, I would explain <laughs> to them first how powerful the mind is mm. and then do the normal thing. You can't get your fingers loose and those other people that come sit on in huh. front and oh, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I, when I watch it, I, I sort of see... I don't know anything about hypnosis, but when I watch them, there's like a pattern interruption and then a suggestive comment. So the pattern interruption is like a weird handshake or something or a click or a yeah. Yep. And then they give them a command like sleep. Yeah, that's exactly how we work. Ah, okay, interesting. And, and then you bring them out, open your eyes, close your eyes. I even do it with my one-on-ones when I see they're fighting me. Hmm. Um, and it's amazing. It just goes deeper and deeper. It's wonderful to see. It's such an amazing way to relax. Yeah, and you're doing well because there's a phone ringing while you're talking, so you're staying relaxed and locked in. <laughs> so, well, I think, you know, from the pictures I've seen on your website, there's some crazy interesting stories to your life, mm -hmm. and you can share what you want to share and not want <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. But, like, you know, there there's um, a particular thing around, you know, flying and, and, and being a young woman in, in South Africa. And, and yeah, maybe we go back to what, when you think is kind of an interesting time that brings a bit of context. Or Let's start there. Okay. Um, I was an afterthought. I had three much older brothers. So I grew up as a little tomboy, really. 
My mother was 43 when I was born, so, cool. you know. <laughs> Medical marvel. Something like that. <laughs> and she even told me, you know, on, in her last days that she tried to abort me, oh. which I knew, funnily mm. enough, subconsciously. Mm. And but I had wonderful parents. So, um, so when I said I wanted to start flying, you know, they weren't going to help me financially and... So I finished my schooling and I got myself a job and um, I, in those days, I think it's still like that in South Africa, you're not allowed to get a driver's license until you're 18 and I was, I think I just turned 17. Hmm. So just for I, context without revealing your age too much, <laughs> what sort of decade were we in? Oh, gosh, a long time ago. Yeah. Let's not go there. Okay, we don't go there. It was a, a <laughs> Thank you for not realising all that. But anyway, um, my baby is 52, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just – because it's important for the context of what it would have been yeah. like to be a, a woman in South Africa oh. at that time trying to fly. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Children, especially little girls and mm. blacks, were seen and not heard. So um, – yeah, so I, because I couldn't drive a car, I often used to climb through the window at four o'clock in the morning and it's crazy when I look back and walk through for miles in the dark with a torch with grass taller than myself. There's snakes in South Africa and bad people. Mm. But I was so focused and I really just wanted to get my pilot's license. <laughs> and um, that was an ugly face. My... Um, so when my parents realized that I did that, my dad said, no, he will make sure that I can go to, to the airfield. And, yeah, my, my flying instructor, who was one of the dam busters, do you, have you ever seen the movie? The no, busters? I was just going to hope Shut. it unfolds as he talked, but I yeah, have no idea what he talked long story short, <laughs> he is the one that called the press. Oh, yeah. And said, listen, you know, she's – I'm still shy, but I was extremely shy. doesn't look like that on that photograph that I was. Mm. Um, just come and surprise her. She's, get, she's qualified. She's got a pilot's license today, and she will turn 18 tomorrow. So it was big news. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm in a way sad that I've thrown, obviously thrown away all the newspaper clippings. Yeah. Because I even got um, calls from Russia, you know, it, it, it was fascinating. They're much younger girls now in South Africa flying, so it's... Yeah. Was there any, like, people trying to stop you, like the movies? They're like, no, a woman can never fly a plane, or you're too young, or all I they still say. have that. Still now. <laughs> yeah. I still have that. Uh, my ex-partner, um, one of their friends that I had met came over, and we was all sitting chatting, having a glass of wine. And he's a pilot, and, and we started talking about flying and... I flew the tiger moth and and my ex-partner got so angry with me. He said, don't talk about that. That's how you would treat it. Hmm. Tiger moth's a type of plane, is it? I know nothing. By, by plane, yeah. It's open cockpit. Open cockpit, okay. And double wings. It's pretty I should have brought. I've got a photograph of one. What could you do on it? Like, like let's... Oh, aerobatics. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was an amazing time in my life. Wow. And the first day I went gliding, I met my ex-husband and we had our own glider, so we had lots of fun. Yeah. Do you reckon now, like, if we got, you know, global warming, like, took over and you needed to get out of New Zealand because it's an island and find some mountain, do you reckon you could grab a plane and fly it now and just sort of wing it? I think so because <laughs> the subconscious doesn't f forget anything. Yeah. Okay. I'd love to go for a flight again. I'd actually love to go up in a tiger moth. Huh. Well, if yeah. anyone's listening, yeah, they've please. got a tiger moth. <laughs> please. Let's take it to please. <laughs> Wow. Was, it, was there any you know, other interesting stories when you were younger as well? Like, uh, Yeah. I also um, desperately wanted to go scuba diving, and there were very few women doing that. But I became a scuba diver, and I'm, I'm very grateful for it because I, I've dived in the most exquisite places in the world. I'm very, I'm grateful. I'm, you know, constantly I go back and I think, oh, 
because of my NLP, I write workshops for companies and I got contracted into Malaysia hmm. and ended up in Borneo. And man, it was a dream come true from so many years. So that's one of the things that I teach my clients, even when I do a workshop now. What are your dreams? What do you really want? And I'm actually asking you, what do you really want for your life? Me? Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, similar to you, I've done everything I ever wanted around the, you know, adventurous side. You know, I traveled like. around the world, lived in a tent, didn't work for years, just did anything. Drugs, girls, craziness, okay. all that stuff. <laughs> you might not want them at your side, but that's what I was doing. Um, and now it's just about purpose. For me, what drives me is um, helping people uh, achieve the life that they want, you know, the emotional component. And then just simple things like one-on-one talks with people that mean a lot to me and and then just keeping active. That's it. I don't need much now. Just if this happens to me, I sometimes have this voice in my head. Would you ever consider doing a workshop with me? With you? Yes. Oh, like what, we tandem we, we, or you, we, you work, you help me? We, no, we, no, we work together. Yeah, sure. I know you, you, you're a different generation. It could be amazing. Yeah. Come on, let's think about it. Yeah, no, I'll do a workshop with you. Yeah, why not? Okay. What I'll do, with your permission, I'll email you the outlines of the workshop that I've, workshops that I have already written. But everything that you're saying just resonates with me. Okay. That's why I became a hypnotherapist, because I really wanted to help other people. Okay, cool. Well, I didn't expect this, but yeah, we're rolling with it. come on. Yeah, I just say yes and work it out later. Yeah, you know, (laughs) can you imagine with your enthusiasm and your knowledge and what you're doing? It works. makes sense. It can work. You know, I'm not just... You know, when I stand there, I go, well, I'm an oldie. I've had lots of lives. But here is someone that's literally living life now. Yes. And we speak the same language. Yeah, well, it's a good balance. Like, for example, my business associate, Greg, he's 68. Mm-hmm. So he, he's done three decades of advisory work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that combination, I sort of, I, I'm like, he's a captain on the engine. And so he directs us off the rocks and it's like making sure we go in the right direction and I'm just, you know, rolling. Amazing. Amazing. Well, if I had money, I would invest with you guys. Oh, well, look at that, eh? <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. I've gone through some interesting times. Yeah. Another interesting thing that happened in my life and I so wish I can resurrect it again. I had a beauty spa when I was in my 20s and – um I was working really, really. Such a random life you've got. Yeah, okay, That's why I say I've lived a lot, lots yeah. of lives. And that turned into a beauty college in the end. And I worked from home. My, bless him, my ex-husband was extremely jealous. So it was a way to keep me at home. Mm. And um, because my hands aren't the biggest, I really got exhausted from body massages. So I woke up one night in the middle of the night with this thought in my head and told him about it the next day, a a unit that could do body massage with water jets. And he thought it was crazy. And then the universe steps in and we get this engineer come to our place we've just built um, that was um, an inventor. Hmm. And he sort of invented autoclaves for hospitals and things like that. Autoclaves? Autoclaves, steamers. Steamers? Yeah. Okay. But it's a long time ago now. Yeah, what, is this, what do you need a steamer in a hospital? Is it clean to, to stuff? Ser- to sterilize. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you now. Yep. And just he stayed for lunch and randomly I told him about it and I can remember my ex saying, oh, don't worry him about that nonsense. So he left. He was in Cape Town. We live in near Johannesburg. So, and two days later, he called me and he said, "Please send me the drawings that you have in your head. I think you've you've got an amazing idea." Um, and again, it's just the way life works. I've, I'm sure you've 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 experienced the same thing. I was getting a business license, and the p- person that was helping me was a lawyer. 
And I don't even know why I told him about it. And he said, no, no, you do not send any pictures or drawings. And he picked up his phone and he... Took it. No, he called his secretary and he booked a flight for me to go to Cape Town and the next day, and I did. Oh. And a lot of... Shouldn't be going. But... um, And so we we went to a patent lawyer and a non-disclosure form was signed. But Mr. Vaderman, the engineer, built the first prototype for me and it worked like a dream. It was, man, it was so good. And then he came to me later and he said, let's create a, a washing unit for bedridden patients. So we did develop that. Hmm. Um, <laughs> Can't work you out at all. Yeah, go on, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, um, I got divorced and lots of little intricate things happened. And there was a brochure of the washing unit that mm. ended up on the lap of someone flying from New York to somewhere else. And they contacted me and they were Canadian and said they would like to come talk to me about licensing. So I licensed them. And I got royalties <laughs> for a number of years, which helped me put my girls through uni. And um, I travelled the world um, promoting, helping to promote. And um, then the one partner sold out to a public company. And this guy only paid royalties for a year. And then said, she's a single woman. She lives in Cape Town. Let her sue me. Hmm. So it died after that. And that's many years ago. And everybody at that stage was saying to me, this is so amazing, but it's before it's time. Mm. So I'd love to find an investor and let's resurrect it, especially with COVID. Resurrect it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, would innovation not have outpaced it now or is it still just something that hasn't been thought of? Oh, gosh, no. I think it would be amazing. Yeah. Keep going. Um, especially with COVID because, you know, the, the, the idea behind it was the patients lifted from the bed onto the trolley that goes into the washing unit like a car wash. <laughs> when, when I think it was one of the ministers in Canada at a launch said to me, oh, my gosh, it's a human car wash. <laughs> okay. So, huh. Can, can they push, like, that, you're going to have to explain this one. So there's this person in a hospital. They need to be, well, you might got to be careful. Someone might steal this idea again, you know, and not give you any sort of shout out. So you make the call. Um, so you're in the, you're a patient, you're in your bed and you need to be washed. And you, you, what, you push a button, it lifts you out or someone else lifts you into the car wash? Or, in those <laughs> days, <laughs> in those days, obviously, the nurses did. Okay. But it wasn't backbreaking, like putting a paralyzed person into a, a tub. Okay. So, and they did a lot of research for a year. The specialists worked with it in a paraplegic hospital. Yeah. And what they found is the bed, there were no more bed sores. Hmm. So you go on and it sprays you with mist, or and then the thing comes down and starts spinning. What, what? <laughs> I'm not going to give you any more information. Okay, no more. Find, find, find an investor and we'll work on it together. <laughs> Come, I'm serious. I know you are. I don't, I'm not interested because I don't like that stuff. Like uh, I just like people. I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, people talk about multitask. I think you're just doing things half as good. So I focus on what I'm good at. And okay. I just gonna, um, but okay, it will remain a secret. So any listeners, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't steal it. Uh, no. Okay. So, you know, well, just, you know, whether you um, want to talk about this or not, but I, I've come across a lot of men and women, especially, you know, the Johnny Depth case and the oh, Amber Heard discussion. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have any advice for like people that find themselves in a relationship that's, you know, abusive, but they, they stay in it out of the cycle, you know, they... They backwards rationalize, so say that the person does something good, then they look back favorably all the bad things, or maybe their confidence is so low and the person keeps reinforcing that so they don't feel confident to leave. Like, is there something that you would... I've been there. Yeah. I know exactly why most probably men and women stay, because the person that's the bully will water down your self-confidence in a way that you don't even realize that it's happening until 
you're so low that you can't pick yourself up. And I hear it so often. Oh, but I love him. Or, oh, I, I love her. How can you love someone if you don't have respect for that person anymore? Mm. So um, what I also do, I work with couples. Of course, again, with NLP, using the five senses. We all always use all the five senses, but we are predominantly one. So you most probably very kinesthetic. You feel first. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, and then you can be visual. The next one, where you see things, you know, very clearly. Or auditory. I think, just a little bit that we've spoken, I think you can aesthetic auditory. That's why you're so obviously good at what you're doing. Thank you. Because you listen, you listen and you hear. Hmm. So with couples very often, sorry, with couples very often, they don't speak the language that the other person can understand. Mm. Visual person will, a visual person will switch off between three to five words in a sentence unless you are showing him or her pictures or speak visual language. Mm. And men tend to be more visual, but not always. Yeah. Well, this, I was actually um, recently talking to a client and we were um, going through the um, written component of the financial advice and it wasn't landing. And so I asked I asked them, like, you know, well, how do you learn? And they were saying, like, oh, very visually. So we went down and, you know, he's a very gifted individual in what he does. But as soon as we started talking about paper and, you know, words, it was confusing. And so he explained to me a certain infrastructure in the office um, using visual cues. Yes. So I just, I was like, oh, crap. Okay, I've got to explain it like this as opposed to. And, and, and often they don't even know that they are that visual. Mm. Um, it's really interesting, you know, when, when I, I ask couples that are going through problems to come and sit on my little couch and just talk to one another and I just observe. What kind of problem? Like the anger, intimacy, all sorts? All sorts. Um, See a trend? (laughs) Do you see a trend of common? Yeah, yeah. it's just, you know, a lot, often women would say, oh, my husband never listens to me. Mm. The poor bloke can't hear her Mm. because it starts scrambling in the head. And I worked with a couple a number of years ago, and they were they were about to split up. Both of them very fiery people. He was a, a golf pro, and you know, very expressive. And he would come home, and she would, she would be in the kitchen. Apparently, this is how it started. And he would get out of the car, and she could see in his body language she was so visual that he had a bad day. And then the first thing that he says when he comes in with that voice, because he was auditory and kinesthetic, he would say, oh, I'm, you know, and immediately it, she would get her back up. Mm. And before dinner, they would be in a fight and she would be storming off and hmm. because she can't hear him. And I let, in those days, I let them sit opposite one another over a coffee table and I can remember him leaning forward to her and say, can't you understand how I feel? I'm not going to use that language. But she leaned forward (laughs) with her finger in the air and said, I can't, I don't understand what feel mean. Hmm. And she was so, so visual. Hmm. So it was really interesting. So I gave her a few tips. Um, and like when you can't understand what he's saying anymore, just paint pictures on his face and pretend you, you're listening. You know, make him Mickey Mouse, give him a pilot's moustache, you know, like in the old days. Don't laugh and don't ever tell him. <laughs> I've never heard that. Okay, interesting. <laughs> um, and they're still together. <laughs> Very much in love. Yeah, well, I... I've heard of like, you know, love languages and stuff, but actually mm-hmm. thinking about how the person can receive the information is quite new. Like I do that professionally, but, um, and y- sort of, as you say, I intuitively try and feel my way through a conversation to see 
where they're at and I'll try and adjust so it makes sense. But to actually, I think that is quite useful in a relationship, especially when it's a high stakes conversation or stressful to have sort of like a blueprint. Do, do you have like ways to recognize what that person might be learning like as a partnership, what they can Absolutely. think Absolutely. And I will... Um, a person that's kinesthetic will talk about feelings more often. Okay. They'll use the word feelings. A person that's visual will of, they often make very good um, accountants, architects, hmm. you know, because they're visual, mechanics for that matter. Accountants? That's a – Yeah. Um, they okay. stare at the computer all day long. <laughs> I was like, oh, numbers. I thought they would be mm-hmm. – okay, okay. So um, – Interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's fascinating study. Hmm. I'll, I'll see – I'll send you more information or when you come sit in jail. Yeah, a session and workshop. You're a hustler, yeah. Yeah, aren't you? <laughs> um, but honestly, I've never had someone of your age speak the language that you speak. Oh, thank you. I really mean that. Yeah, Jess. It's, uh, yeah, it's my session. I think, I think, you know, I sort of view experience as repetition. So I like I walk down the street and I obsessively think about the way people are moving, the emotions on their face, how I fit into that space. Or like I walk into a room and it's really overwhelming. It's like I can feel Mm. sort of where they're at, like an interpretation and you don't know. My heart bleeds for you. I'm exactly the same. It can be exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I'll walk in even into a cafe or a restaurant and I'll go oh no you mm. know you, and I'll know exactly where where it's coming from yeah the, the most valuable thing oh, wow. I've ever learned is like um, meditation because mm-hmm. you because then I can steer the, steer the ship because I, I sort of see anxiety as like a snowball so once it starts it's quite hard to rein back in but if you can recognize the moment when it's about to unfold and then anchor yourself, you know, similar to how you said at the start, anchor yourself to your breath and observe your thoughts without judgment, and then it doesn't take off as much? Absolutely. I've got a very simple exercise that I give my clients. Oh, yeah. I always ask them, where in your body do you feel it Hmm. when it starts? And they all go out in my chest. No, it starts in the pit of the stomach. But it moves up from there into the chest so quickly because you know what it's like on the motorway. It happened to me this morning. Someone suddenly swerves in front of your car and you go, Mm. so you hold your breath. Mm. And you're not breathing. So you get the closeness in the chest and the heart starts pounding because it needs to feed the body with oxygen. And because you're not breathing, it then goes into the neck. Mm. And then you're in full fight or flight. And it can happen very quickly. So what I say to them, the moment that you feel it, force yourself to breathe. Breathe out first, like you said earlier, thank you to me, and then take a deep breath in and count backwards from 10 to 1. Because we're giving the conscious mind something else to think about. And as you breathe out, you say, I'm calm, I'm relaxed, and I'm in control of this situation. You can say it in your own mind. Nobody needs to know. Anchor yourself, which way, what, whatever anchor you want to do. Yeah. And then you keep on doing it until you feel calm. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's, it's a brilliant exercise. I believe you. I think, you know, I was actually talking, one of our flatmates is moving out because he wants to go um, try to, like, see what it's like to be a Hare Krishna monk. So okay. he's, he's kind of... Um, <laughs> Go on a, I call it a halfway house. It's not that, but it's like a, a pre-house to the monk oh, house. How amazing. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah. And what the Hare Krishna do is they um they say the sacred words and they have a bead that they focus on. And once you mm-hmm. see the sequence of words, you move to the next bead. And whether it's that meditation or artwork or whether it's, you know, a sportsman that's suddenly so enthralled and in the moment, the common thread is that there's an external focus. So then people think, you know, don't think of pink elephant. Like they try to think their way out of thinking instead of focusing. Conscious on. mind again. Yeah, give your conscious mind something to look at. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, do you not um, – because another valuable thing is the 
um, the interpretation that you add to the thought itself. So the anchoring is good. I find it challenging when the thought will come. If I don't acknowledge it and I just focus on the anchoring, it's harder than if I try and find the... Okay. We need to do a workshop together. (laughs) 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 It's really interesting. Um, I've had people that could not drive on the motorway. The moment they, it's fascinating how our minds work. Mm. It just brings back a memory of a young man. Um, he, the mo- I'm, I'm obviously I'm from Oriwa. I was in Fungaparoa in those days, and I don't know whether you know, but you go over the bridge and then you get onto the motorway. Okay, I don't, but yep, keep going. It's not a, a bridge, bridge, but it is. Yeah. You'll have to come and see it. <laughs> and um, he got this amazing job the warehouse, but he would have to drive throughout the country. Mm. And he was in total panic. And I struggled to find the trigger for him, you know, because he couldn't remember anything. And he was great. He went deep into hypnosis when we did sessions. And the one day we were talking about flying for some unknown reason. And he said, oh, oh, um, I stopped an hour before I got my license and I went, why? And apparently he he was flying from, what's the one, South Auckland? Oh, you're asking the wrong person. Okay, but anyway. Well, he, South Auckland. That, yeah, <laughs> from that airfield. And he didn't see the plane that landed just before him <sighs> because the plane was just below. So he had to put the plane down next to the runway and nothing happened but the instructor saw it and came over to him and said, you could have cost us thousands of dollars. So he never went back to flying. And the moment he said that, I said to him, what do you see when you come over that little ridge before you, oops, before you go? You can't break it, don't worry. <laughs> no, I know, it, people just heard a noise. my Italian hands. Italian um, hands. <laughs> <laughs> so you're coming over the bridge, it reminds us of something. Yeah. You see the planes landing on North, at North Shore. Hmm. I mean, we've got the trigger. And I did the hypnosis for that. So is the the component of hypnosis finding the trigger event so they can feel it in a new way? Is that the gist or like what, yeah, what leads it, to it, healing? It, you know, especially when I do regression and I take the person back during hypnosis. Yeah. Is that they can observe. You're not that person anymore. You're not the four-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, but we, when we get triggered, we become the child mm. or the person that was raped or whatever the situation is. Yeah. But when, on a conscious level, but when you work with it subconsciously and you sitting here and you're looking at an event as though it's a movie and there's no emotion involved, there's no meaning, then it dulls. Mm. Then you, then you can actually take a giant step forward into pushing your energy into something more positive. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. It seems to be the thread a lot across a lot of the therapies, even PTSD. They find with um, post-traumatic stress disorder that meditation causes more harm than good at times because you're invoking the emotion without actually trying to rectify what caused it. But that, that, that seems, from what I can gather without going too much into different types of therapies, it, it is just a common thread of how do we re-experience this traumatic event in a healthier way? Absolutely. Again, it brings back a memory of years ago. Um, this young man came to me. He was in his early 30s. And he suddenly couldn't sleep anymore. Mm. The moment he was going, falling asleep, it would be like, someone pressing on his chest and you can, can't breathe and, you know, so the whole night would go like that. And he also really, he was lovely, uh, but struggled to have a good relationship with anybody. So I always ask about childhood and that's why I hmm. just honour you that you spoke so easily about it. And he didn't really want to talk too much about it. They lived out in the sticks and he had two older brothers and father was a traveling salesman. So, you know, they didn't hardly ever saw him and the mother drank and took drugs. Mm. 
Hmm. And um, I was doing regression with him, and he just, but he's deep in hypnosis, you know, that it's, he's like, and um, he just starts sobbing and sobbing. So I brought him out of hypnosis. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, what have I triggered? And he said he now remembered, it's disgusting, but it's the truth. His mother's way of potty training him when he was about two or three was to tie the dirty nappy around his face. For hours. And the oh, brothers. Oh, yeah. And the brothers weren't allowed to help him. That's right. He actually, when I did the regression with him, um, I took him back in time. I never know where they, where the person goes or how old they are. He became the little boy. He became the little boy in the chair. That's how it hmm. started. I think it's quite an interesting thing I come across is that people say, hey, oh, I've had you know a good life, comfortable life. I don't really have any trauma. And you just dig a little deeper. <laughs> There's some things unfold. There was um, So I, I go to a group that um, it's called the Mankind Project. And it's, that's amazing. Yeah, so every Monday we meet and we have a structural process of expressing ourselves through stages. So some of the stages are accountability. So um, so it's about setting the container. So the first thing is the grounding piece, so meditating or doing some sort of bringing yourself to the moment. The other thing is, is, is there anything keeping you from this moment, which is a breach of agreement, that I make an agreement with myself but I didn't keep it? Do we remember an agreement another man made and he didn't keep it? Um, and then we unpack that and then the next part is expression, emotion and then the next one is these. what are my goals and purpose and what's standing between me and that um, but in one of the sessions uh, there, there was a discussion around at a school when you would um, when a, a boy was caught masturbating he had to wear a white glove the whole the whole day at school so so and then you know you think about how that leads to repression around sexuality um i've also heard a story about a young lady this isn't i haven't met her but it was a secondhand story where she was um caught masturbating as like a young girl confused around um hot water bottles and the mum walked in and just shamed her it's like, oh my god that's so disgusting how could i raise such a horrible daughter that sort of thing and then they just flow on in their whole life. I can't imagine this poor bloke fucking nappy. I swear. Oh. <laughs> you obviously don't. Okay. <laughs> I swear. <too>. Okay. <laughs> just not light. Just not on the podcast. No, yeah. Let's not do that. But yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah. sometimes we just have to say it, what the, you know. But anyway, from that moment forward, when I took him back the next time saying, you're not that little boy anymore. Mm. You know, look at your life. You, he was a brilliant artist and how it changed him. I actually went to his wedding about 15 months later. Cool. You know, so, um, yeah, it's not me. It's my client's wonderful mind. People just do not know how, how powerful their minds are. Yeah. I, f I find like um, most – the biggest value I can add to another human isn't finding a solution they haven't thought of. It's asking the right question. Absolutely. Most – you know, give or take, people are like, oh, I know what I should do, but this is, you know, not but doing yeah, it. But the, the, the should, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and with NLP, these certain words that ah, okay. we don't use, but um, should, should have, could have, yeah. um, can't, very bad. Oopsie, sorry, don't, you know. Um, and it, it's a re, it's a, and try. I, I teach my clients very early on. Sorry, I've got a hair in my eye. Um, clients very early on when they, but I'm trying to do this and I'll give them a simple little exercise and it's fascinating. I'll ask them, please try and lift your right arm for me. Would you like to do that? Uh, yep. No, you're lifting it. Try and lift it. And you're going to invoke something from me, aren't you? Try and – no, you're lifting it. Oh, yeah, yeah there so, we go. Yeah. There you go. But, yeah, but if you're trying – <laughs> if you're trying, yeah. you're not doing anything. You're lifting it. You're either lifting or uh, you're not. Yeah. 
try as a cop-out word. Oh, yes. Preach. So remember that. Yeah. All you little <laughs> cop-outs listening to this. Yeah. So um, another one for memory. And, and this is what I – I love it when I see people grow. Like I've recently done a workshop and one of my clients had lost her son, I think, three years ago, two mm. years ago. Um, suicide. He was sixteen, bullying at school. Yeah. And um, I can remember when she came. I thought to myself, how how do I deal with this? But somehow, you know, she got uplifted. But then became really lost again. And now after this workshop, she is on fire. She's like an eagle. Yeah. You know, she's growing feathers every day on her beautiful wings, and. Um, and what I often ask my clients, what do you dream about? I asked you that in the beginning as well. What, what would really bring you joy? You, you're on the right path anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it's as simple as the person that I'm with, I feel in some way um, there's been a, a – a, a light turned on you know this there's, there's been a meaningful change in the way they approach life it's amazing why not do a workshop with you <laughs> <laughs> you know but yeah. honestly for me the other thing is that um i've all i've always been a big dreamer and often made a fool of myself but so many of my dreams have come true we lived like i said near johannesburg and I was absolutely crazy about dolphins. I studied everything that I couldn't. I think in a way that's how my love for the brain started because they are so intelligent. Yeah. And I used to tell everybody, one day I'm going to work with dolphins and they would make fun of me. Oh, really? Were you going to keep them? You know, in the pool? Puffed up. I had to get divorced, mm. moved to Australia to Perth, and um, the first newspaper that landed on, on on my doorstep was a photograph of this gorgeous young hunk um, kissing a dolphin, <laughs> saying that the dolphinarium will be opening in two weeks' time. So I called him, and I said, I'm a scuba diver. I'm crazy about dolphins. I'd really love to come and work. And he said, come out. <laughs> come, my dad's decorated. Come and come and um, come. We're looking for more people. So I went, and the dad was busy. And so Grant and I got talking, and he took me around to see the dolphins in the pool. And the one dolphin, a male dolphin, popped up the moment he heard my voice. And everybody, the, the vet was with us. They laughed. They said, "That never happens. He likes your voice." And um, long story short, I didn't get the job because my hands, the father said, no, you won't cut, cut up raw fish. I would have. But anyway. Yeah. But Grant and I became really good mates. So during the week, I would be in the pool with him, training the dolphins and working with the dolphins. Dream cool. come true. Wow. Is that like rheumatoid or something? What do you, what's wrong with the hands? No, or? it's just small and that oh, is South yeah. African, you know, you didn't do anything in South Africa. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. You know. So that's one of the dreams. It's like my flying dream. Okay. <laughs> so what do you dream about, you know? It's, it's what else do you want? I also always said, oh, I want to, want to go and see the orangutans. And I was teased about that. So, so how do you think you're going to get there? When I got the, the contract in Malaysia, I, they were rolling me out to the other factory the following week <clears throat> and um, something went wrong with a big cement company. And so the um, general manager came to me. They were wonderful. And he said to me, we can fly you back to New Zealand, but we do want you back. Um, or... Where, where else in Malaysia do you want to go to? And I said, oh, I want to go to Borneo. And he said, okay. I stayed in this five-star resort. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to pay for a glass of water. And I actually held a little baby orangutan in my arms. You know, so. 
Wow. Dream, dream wildly. Well, apparently, yeah. What, so Come what on. we got? Yeah, one of the younger. I don't know if. It, did Did you find out if you're one of the youngest female pilots, or is a big thing, or is just? No, it was in those days. Yeah, so you were one of the youngest. Yeah, and and, and my scuba diving because there were so few girls. Men put me through my paces. I always had to dive a little bit deeper when I was free diving. <laughs> I was really fit, but yeah. Wow. Okay, that's quite a life. Interesting. Well, and now I brought this. You just brought for, something. Okay. Yeah, just it's just interesting to have a look at it. This was I got a contract in the states. It's just a few little photographs. Um, doing. Um, smoking cessation and weight loss in the midwinter, midwest. So this is what it looked like. Yeah, I'll show it to the camera. <laughs> oh, look at it. Oh, That's yeah. my friend that I stayed with, and um, I can't really see it. Okay, but there's one. We were in a blizzard, and, and we would get these people. This is what this is what you walked into. Very angry people. Can you see? Yeah, yeah, a lot of crossed arms. Don't, yeah. don't want to stop smoking, but I'm here, you know. So we would do massive hypnosis. And um, it was just amazing. That was my first blizzard. Oh, yeah. You know, so it, it's it's amazing thinking about <laughs> it because um, that was a dream as well. Mm. I wanted to go and work in America for a little bit. I'm glad I'd live here and not there. Jeez. Okay. Well, you know, uh, we're coming to a close here, but that's a very uh, colourful existence. I, I thought I've had a colourful existence, but dolphins and orangutans, I think you won that one. Um, but you're young still. Yeah, I've got time. You can, you can yeah. go and do that if you want to. I'll be a modern-day whale rider, you know. I'll surf a humpback. Well, I did go. I was a kayak guide, and we used to try and find dolphins and um, whales, so it was cool. Um, well, as we wrap this up, what would be, like, if people – Wanted to find you, wanted help, like where do they go or what sort of things do you help with, you know, the sales pitch. Okay. Have a crack. Um, well, they can go to my website, yep. which is www.purepotential.co.nz mm-hmm. or um, email me on info at Pure Potential. Um, I work with so many different issues, a lot of anxiety and like I said, anger management. It's interesting. With COVID, when we had our first lockdown, I was like, now the world will come together and there will be more kindness. It's just turned the other way. Mm. So um, there's a lot of anger. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I work with couples and I do workshops. Okay, cool. So if you're angry listening to my voice, you know, reach out. <laughs> and uh, yes. this workshop, or if you're feeling, um, you know, stuck. disconnected, stuck, confused, not living up to your pure potential. That's where the name came from. Makes sense. Well, I'll put it in the description so if you want to click it. Um, but thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> I was so nervous. I'm better now. But yeah. I don't know why. Well, you did well. We thank did a whole you. podcast.